Amen. And there, there, are a few, there, there are a few places in life that I can look back to and see where radical life change occurred through a revelation of, of God's Word. You, you know, uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And my daddy taught us that faith cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing. And, and, and he taught us that the, 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 the Word, Word, okay, there, the faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's not logos, it's rhema. That when uh, there's a difference between uh, the word of God and a word from God. Okay, when, when, when you take a scripture and you read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it, pretty soon the spirit of God will begin to breathe life into that. And all of a sudden it changes. It doesn't change a thing. It changes everything. I mean, you, your viewpoint just switches over. And, and, you know, and you start getting, you start getting revelation. You see things you couldn't see before. And when you see things you couldn't see before, you can go places you couldn't go before. And when you can go places you couldn't go before, you can reach things you couldn't touch before. And when you can reach things you couldn't touch before, you can accomplish things that were impossible just a minute ago. And, and, and I'm telling you, it just sets you up to win. And, and years ago, you know, I'm reading Mark 4, 24, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. The Amplified Bible says, for the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and even more will be given to them who hear. And I knew that the word hear doesn't mean to listen. It means to understand. So be, be careful what your understanding is when, when you're hearing the truth. Make sure that you're understanding. Don't, don't ask each other, well, what does that mean to you? No, ask, ask God, what did he mean when, it, when, when you said that? What, what is that meaning to my life? And, and give thought and study to it, because a lot of us, uh, you know, we haven't given thought and study to s- certain things, and we, so we kind of go through life oblivious. Why? We don't have any, we, there's no power. It doesn't have any influence. That's why hundreds of people can sit in, in one meeting, and some will go out with life change, and some will go out late for Dairy Queen. I mean, you know, why? Because they, they're not really hearing you know, man, it's, it's, something happens when you begin to hear, and you, you, you know, understanding opens up, and, and it, it just changes the way you see things, and you go, ah, now I get it. It's kind of like when you read a text. Someone sent you a text on the phone, and you read it, and you thought, jerk. Come on, and, and you know what's funny is that you just had pictures of people in your mind, boing, 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 boing. I wish we had those bubbles, you know, where we could see who you were thinking about. Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom. No, no, okay. <laughs> Thank God no bubbles. Okay. Um, but then you go talk to them because you're so, I can't believe you said that. You can't believe I said what? And you start communicating about this info, and you find out that what you thought they said is not what they said. And then you go, oh, and you go, I knew it. <laughs> See, and that's what, that, that's what uh, you know, having a revelation, you know, can do for you. And, the, and, and it doesn't just apply, you know, it doesn't just apply with uh, little things. It, it applies with big things. There's stuff that we think we know that when we understand the truth, we realize we didn't know what we thought we knew. And now, now the greater knowledge brings greater power, virtue, into our life. We see things all the time that, that, that we just kind of take for granted. It's every day we see things. And, and, and today we're going to talk for just a minute about one of the things that we see all the time that doesn't really have a lot of influence in our life the way that it should. But when we come to a deeper understanding, it kind of changes some things and, and brings understanding and, and brings power. It, it, that thing all, all of a sudden brings power to our life. 
And, and this morning, uh, it is our, it's our great privilege. It's just going to take a few minutes, but uh, uh, we have a great man, a great friend here with us this morning. His name's Skip Novakovich. Skip is, is an amazing man, part of the community for, for a long, long time. How many years have you been around, Skip? 25, 26 years. Tricidian of the year. Uh, he's, he's really important. Okay, I want you to give him a hand as he comes. He's going to take a couple minutes and share with us about something that we see that we need to respond to. Amen. Come on, we're blessed to have him. <laughs> okay, so turnabout's fair play, huh? What do you think of Pastor Tom? Huh? <laughs> well, I'm really, I'm really, really honored to be here. Pastor Tom asked me to um, come here and talk a little bit about the flag and how I felt about it and what I knew and, and stuff. And you're going to be um, dedicating a flag today, which I think is very, very important. There's a lot of uh, people who go to church, church people who think the flag doesn't belong in the church. And I'm here to tell you they're wrong. They have no idea what the flag stands for. The American flag is a symbol of the greatest nation the world has ever seen. But do you also know that it's related to our Christianity, the colors of the flag? First, the red. It stands for the blood that was shed for the freedom, but enjoy by originated from the blood of Jesus who died and rose again for those who believe in him to free us from our sins. The blue, you can probably guess, stands for heaven. It reminds us that if we want to go to heaven, we must believe and put trust in God's Son, Jesus. It is a symbol of eternal being of God, and the red represents the infinite out of which both America's destiny and the earth were created. The white, well, that color reminds us that our motives must always remain pure, unselfish, without greed, remembering that we are only pure and righteous, because we've been washed white by the blood of Jesus, who is the Savior of all who trust in him. We display great respect and honor to the flag in many ways. One of those ways is by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, which was written in 1892 by a gentleman named Francis Bellamy for the 400th anniversary of America. Saying the pledge can mean many things to many people, different things to different people, for me, it means being very thankful for those who have served to preserve our freedoms by wearing the uniform of the U.S. military. And with that, thank you to all of you out there who wore that uniform. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what anybody tells you, this is your country. And whatever the Pledge of Allegiance means to you, I just ask that you reflect on it now. And while you do so, remember that freedom really isn't free. And we only live in the land of the free because of the brave. So right now, if you'd please stand and join me in repeating the 31 words that affirm the values and freedom that the American flag represents. I pledge allegiance 
Thank you. I just, I just ask that God bless you, all your families. God bless America, and please pray that he will do that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Look, give somebody, give somebody close to you just a, the, the eyeball look and tell them, man, live free. You know, there are several families here today who, who have made personal investment. There's not one individual who hasn't received on the benefit side of the investment that others have made in our freedom and in our ability. We're here today worshiping God because of a freedom that was fought for, that was paid for, that was given to us. And, and you know, and our desire is that every time that you pull into the lot and you see the flag that's, that, that we're flying, that you'll remember that there's a price that's been paid. And it's one thing to, to benefit from the freedom. It's, a, it's another thing to participate in it. And, and, you know, it's not enough to just sit and look at it. But, man, it doesn't do you any good if you don't go get it and you don't demonstrate it and, and you don't value it. And, and, you know, Jesus has paid an incredible price for each of us that we might live a life of freedom. God's plan from the beginning was to liberate his people. To bring freedom, to bring deliverance. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 8, he said, I have come to deliver. You know, no matter where you are in life, you have to understand that God's heart for you is that you would know freedom, that you would be set free, that there would be no chains of bondage in your life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, if, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's going to make you free. And, and think about it. Jesus is talking to believers, and he said, man, if you just continue in the word, you're going to not only be a disciple, but knowledge is going to come, and that revelation knowledge is going to liberate you from all the bondage in your life. And these guys looked at Jesus and they said, who do you think you're talking to? We've never been in bondage our entire life. We're Abraham's seed. And he went on to, to, to explain to them that, man, here's the deal. If you can't recognize your bondage, you're never going to know your freedom. See, the problem with deception is that when we live deceived, we don't know we're deceived. See, it, you can be, we've been talking about the three chairs, and, and, and most of us want to tell ourselves that we live a life of total commitment. We are a wholehearted servant of God. But there's, I'm here today to tell you that every one of us have areas in our life where we could actually enjoy a little bit more freedom. Because we're in bondage to things. And, you know, this chair of compromise has, has impacted and, and affected all of us. There's areas of our life where we've allowed compromise to rule and reign in our life. What we believe, how we act, how we live depends on where we are, who we're with, what we're doing. We, you know, man, I'm telling you, sometimes the, you know, God will speak to the church you and you'll make a decision as the church you that you have no intention of keeping as, as the work in you. Why? Because there's a duplicity in our life. Well, we have to be able to understand that. We have to recognize that. This, is, this isn't to bring anybody into condemnation. Okay, let's just get this clear right up front. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk after the Spirit, not after the lust of the flesh. Not trying to put you in condemnation, wanting the lights to get kicked on. So that, why? Because God has greater freedom for you. He has come to deliver he has come to take you to a good place. you gotta, you got to get this. The, the life that God has for you, it is a good life. The plan that God has for you, it is good. Man, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove to yourself that God's will for your life is 
good. Man, God's plan for your life is good. Think about it for just a minute. God's will for your life is good. Well, the only way to collide with the will of God is to live inside the ways of God. Because the will of God is always, is, it's like it's encapsulated by the ways of God. You can't, you can't get God's will outside God's ways. So, but we lie to ourselves and, 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 and we say, we, you know, we, we tell ourselves uh, crazy stuff and we try to make it like sound spiritual. You know, I, I don't want to challenge you too much, but I do want to change the way you think. And, 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 you know, and if you think grace is just this huge covering that no matter what you do, that everything's fine. Well, wait a minute. Grace is not a blanket you get to hide sin under. Grace is an empowering agent that empowers you to do anything that God would ask you to do and to succeed at it. God has equipped you to fight and to win. It, God wouldn't ask you to do something that you, that you couldn't do. He's a, actually, when, you know, before, it says in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I formed you, I knew you. I knew exactly where you're going to fit, and I used that information to start shaping you. I made you different from anybody else, and I've empowered you to fulfill the purpose for which I've created you. Now, here's the deal, is God, God, God's already equipped you to win. He's, I said he's already equipped you to win. So, so, so that grace, that you don't get to live any way you want. We're seeking God to find the right way for us. Well, why in the world would we do that if I can live any way I want to? Well, yeah, but that was Old Testament. Jesus didn't come to lower the standard. He actually raised the bar. He showed up and said, hey, guys, you say, you, say, you know, uh, that, what's some of the stuff he said? Uh, you, you, you say, do this, and I say, bang it up a notch, okay? You know, you, you, you say, you know, yeah, there, that one, do that one. You know, you know it's just the way we treat each other. He, he raised the standard. Man, you, you know, you said love your, love your friends and hate your, and I'm telling you, love your enemy. He raises the standard. But how could he do that? Because he's going to give his grace. It's going to empower you to do the life that he's called you to do. See, so many confused people because they're living any way they want to, but they're not getting God-life results, and they act mad at God. Where are the promises of God? Where's the obedience of his people? Where's the, where's the commitment? to do in life his way. Where is the surrender on our side? Hello, somebody. If anyone desires to be my disciple, deny himself. Well, now, wait just a minute. Deny myself? I don't have any problem with you denying yourself, especially when it's to my benefit. See, we're in bondage. We're in bondage. You say, I'm taking you to a good place. It's a large place. It's a large place because the decisions you make are bigger than just you. The impact of your life is touching more than you know. This is a large place. And it's a flowing land. It's a land flowing. In other words, there's no end. You don't have to get all freaked out when somebody else looks like they're getting ahead. No, celebrate. Why? Because this land's flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's no end to, to his goodness. And I said there's no end to his goodness. He's going he's gonna to bless you. He's going to prosper you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you hope. He's, he's bringing health to your family. He's bringing re restoration to your life. He's, he's bringing renewal to your mind. Come on. But, you know, God never leads you into battles you could possibly win. 
He doesn't lead you into problems that you could solve. He doesn't lead you into situations that you can afford. Why? Well, because he ain't sending you in there to do it in your strength. He's not, he, he, he's not counting on your wisdom and your insight and your revelation. He's taking you so that he can show himself through you. Matter of fact, it looks a lot better when there's no way that you could have pulled that off. That, that's why when David fought Goliath, Goliath was big. You know, he's a giant. He's huge. There ain't no way. There ain't no way you can take him out. You, 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 you can't handle it. Because, you know, it just reads better, doesn't it, that David slew a giant. I mean, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. It would be a totally different story if David went around hurting little people. So, so, so there's a problem that's bigger than you. We get all freaked out by it. God's getting like, hey, I'm ready to use you. Huh? I, I, I'm ready to take you someplace. You ready? Yeah, let's go with Jesus. And then you end up in the storm. And you're thinking, what in the world? He, right here in this verse, you know, hey, I'm going to take you in there. But there's ites all over the place. There's Canaanites and, and Hittites and Jebusites and Parasites and you name an ite, we got the ite. And you're going to have to drive them out because he said, I came to deliver you, not, not translate you. But the word deliver means to equip you to fight and win. And the only way to lose the fight is to forfeit it. Man, you know, if you won't engage in the fight, then you can't have victory in that thing. But if you want some victory, everybody, I could ask the question, I'm not asking it, but I could ask the question, how many people want great victory? Oh, everybody raises their hand. How many people know that great victory demands great battle? You can't have a great victory with a little bitty battle. If you want little bitty battles, you're going to have little bitty victories. And some of you are going, well, I'd take a little bitty victory. Just a little bitty victory. You don't be on a victory diet. Okay? When you get to the ice cream cone, get a little bitty cone. But, but, but when it comes to victory, go for the big one. Why? Because that's how he's going to demonstrate his strength in your life, his power in your life, his purpose in your life. But every one of us, you know what we have to do? We have to deal with these ites. Look at somebody and say, it's time for you to deal with your ites. I want to talk for just a minute about the ites that are here. And, and, and the deal is, is that these ites, you know, the, the, way, the way that these guys name themselves is kind of funny because, you know, uh, words, names mean something when you're reading the book, okay? And, and these names mean something. And, uh, you know, your, your daddy might have called you a name. It didn't mean nothing. But when God, you know, think about it. Think about all the different times that Jesus and God showed up and they changed somebody's name and it just changed everything. And, and it's important to understand that these ites, man, these are the things that you and I need to drive out of our life. See, because uh, uh, if, when you take possession of something, when you take possession of something, you know, we're going in to possess the land. We're going to possess our freedom. We're going to possess. Well, the word possess means to drive out the previous tenant, make him poor and dwell in his place. You know, if, if, you, if you were given a brand new home and the, and the documents came in the mail and, and, and you, you had the deed and the title and, 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 and that's your house and you, and you drive by there uh, you know, a couple of times, you look at the address and man, this is a nice place. This place is amazing. And, but there's some other family living in there. I mean, you might be nice for a little while because you might go back and do some research and I need to check this out. I need to look at this. Is that place mine or is it not? Because it seems like if it's mine, I should move in. Or collect rent, right? It's mine. And if you, once it's established, this is mine. Guess what? They are moving because I'm going in. I'm going to drive them out. Why? Because I'm taking possession. That's what it means to take possession. 
Dude, if somebody gave you a house, give you a house, give me a confirmation number on a motel room. If I get a confirmation on a motel room, when I show up and they say, I'm sorry, I don't have any record, I have a confirmation number. It says right here that this is where I'm staying. And I'm not exactly sure how you're going to handle it. You're going to throw somebody out or you're going to build on real quick, but I'm spending the night. Because I have confirmation. Why? Because I'm going to possess it. Why? It's mine. There's something of insane value that belongs to you. And God's saying, hey, I want you to possess it. Well, I want to stand here at the bank and watch God do miracles. You're on crack. <laughs> he has empowered you to drive the enemy out. To do, but see, a lot of us, see, he's going to give us freedom from our enemies. But a lot of us, we don't recognize these things as enemies because we befriended them. We're trying to make, like, work with the ites. And it ain't going to work. You're not going to get God-life results unless you do it God's way. See, because God's, God's will is inside God's way. And God's way is determined by God's word. So if you can get into the word, you'll discover God's way. If you discover God's way, you'll have a collision with God's will. But don't you ever think that you're going to get the will of God for your life, living life outside of his ways. So let's drive out the ites. You know, let's get rid of this stuff. Let's deal with this stuff. Let's get free. Let's talk about the ites very quickly. You ready? Hope you got your pen ready. Okay, first one. The first ite that they talked about was the Canaanite. Canaanite. Everybody say Canaanite. 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 The the word literally means greedy. It's a lust for material accumulation. I'll gather for myself, even at the expense of others. You know, uh, I'd like to reap benefits, but I don't want to actually have any personal investment. But if I do invest in something and it produces, that's mine. Greed. Greed is an ite that you got to drive out of your life. Because there's nothing about God that's greedy. There's no area where God is a greedy God. So you got to drive out the ite. Well, how, and I'm going to tell you something, man. This thing is a giant. This ain't no little thing. Don't you think for just a minute, hardly anybody gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and goes, dude, you look greedy today. You, you know, it's almost like you can't see it in you, but other people can see it. You, you know, you probably need to have some voices in your life that, that have liberty permission to speak the truth to you, which might be kind of scary for you because you might find out that you thought you had a problem with half an ite and they're saying, dude, you got ites that we ain't even ever heard of. But this greed thing, we all have it. Come on. You know, go to Costco. They're down to two or three left. <laughs> Don't get in front of me. I'm going to get mine. We, we have greed. We have to deal with greed in our life. How do we do it? Well, why don't we go to the Bible? Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. He will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your vats with the finest wines. You know what we do is we look to God and say, hey, man, when are you going to start filling my barn? When are you going to cause the the, the vat to overflow with wine? And God said, hey, wait, you got to do your part. When you do what I said, I'll produce what I promised. When you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. But you have to do what he said. Why? Because that's God's way. You know, well, I'm going to honor God by attending a service. Well, that's nice of you, but that's not how the Bible defines honoring God. I'm going to honor God by lifting my hands in worship. That's cool that you're going to worship God. But the Bible says how you honor God is by, by giving him the first part of all your income. 
oh, you just want our money. Okay, let me explain it this way. This might be the last time that I have the opportunity to speak to some of you. Because some of you might get ruffled right about here. I'm just asking you to, I'm just asking you to give thought and study to the truth you hear. Okay? Uh, I've, I don't go around, I do not check giving records. So I'm not talking to anybody specifically. Matter of fact, I'll put it this way. I've not checked your giving record. I promise I have not checked your giving record. But feel free to check mine. Because I would not ask you to do something that I'm not going to do. But, but here's, here is the deal. That if you think all those people want is my money, well, you need to find a place where you have trust, where you realize that, you know what, that's not, they're, they're, they, they, they want the best for my life, and, and I'm going to let God direct my life. I'm going to use God's word to find God's way so that I can experience God's will. Because a lot of us are asking God for financial miracles, but we don't obey him in our finances. Is it all right? You know, uh, Malachi 3.10, this is, we put it in the King James for all of the people who know that any other translation is straight from the pit. Okay, so here, here's the King James Version. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. You, you know, honestly, early in life, early in life, even before Shelby and I got married, I thought I'd help God out here by redefining the word all. You know, what I'm going to call a tithe isn't actually going to be what God calls it, but at least he knows my heart is right. Let me tell you the results of that. It sucked. Okay? All the tithe means all the tithe. And tithe means 10%. It don't mean 3.2%. It means 10%. And I know that for some of you guys, that's, that's like, well, no, that's not what it means. That's what it means. It means 10%. Uh, and, and it says, all of it. Well, I'll decide where I put it. Welcome to compromise. Because you know better than God. Okay, let's go to another item. People ain't liking my eyes. Okay. Hittite, Hittite next. Hittite, it, 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 it represents fear, discouragement, disagreement, confusion. It causes disputes, and it disputes the power of God and sabotages your faith. Does that not just sound like the devil right there? It, it, the Hittite, it's fear, discouragement, disappointment. Yeah, I, I like words. I like knowing what words mean. And, and, and you want to know something that's really cool about the, the word appointment, the, uh, an appointment. An appointment is where your power, where your anointing, where, where your authority lies. It's like the office of the president is an appointment. And in his office, that dude's got some power. Outside the office, you know what? He's just a guy. He's just you and me. He's just, you know, he's just a citizen. But in that appointment, that's where his power is. That's where his ability is at. That's where, you know, you as, as a believer, you've been appointed to live in freedom. And in your appointment, you have power. You have authority. You have, you know, man, there's power in that appointment. So what the enemy tries to do is to use life circumstances, situations to dis appoint you. The prefix dis means to push or press down out of. So what the enemy wants to do is press you, push you out of your appointment. Why? Because out of your appointment, you don't have the authority. You don't have the power. You're outside your appointment. That's why the enemy would love for you to be disappointed with your spouse. Because if you're disappointed with your spouse, then you don't have the authority. You don't have the life flow. If any two of you agree on earth is touching anything, you ain't got that. Why? Because you are disappointed 
disappointed. He'd love for you to be disappointed with your kids, disappointed with your parents, disappointed with your boss, disappointed in your government, disappointed with your church, disappointed with everything he can get you to be disappointed in. He'd love for you to be disappointed. Why? So he can take you away from your power. So you have to stand up and say, I refuse to live disappointed. Hello, somebody. Now, I'm not going to be disappointed. I might not get what I want, when I want, how I want, as long as I want, but I will walk in faith. I refuse to allow a defeated enemy rob me of the power that Jesus came to reconnect me to. Hello, somebody. I got, I got Bible for you. Luke 10, 19. Check this out. He said, I've given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The enemy's got some power, but you got some authority and nothing shall by any means harm you. Here's what the enemy wants you to be disappointed. Well, I'm just disappointed. Well, I refuse to live disappointed. Yeah, but what, what happens when things don't go the way that you thought they would? You know, today, when we dedicate the parking lot, when we raise the flag, it's kind of like the final piece of, of this particular puzzle, isn't it? And, but, but when we started, you know, when I was sitting out there at one of them picnic tables praying one day, asking God for a patio like that, and he said, don't ask me for the patio, ask me for the building. And, and all of a sudden, that thing birthed inside of me, and I got together with the guys, and we started praying, and we circling this place. But let me tell you something, between, between the, the starting point and the ending point, nothing went the way I planned. There were lots of stuff that I thought that was going to happen that didn't happen. But no, I, I refuse to be disappointed. Why? Because of what I know. See, Romans chapter 8, it says, For we know all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his prayer. Well, if everything's working for good, why would I be disappointed in the way things are working? And you've got to let God change the way you think. You're, you're, you're putting your hope in people, you're going to be disappointed. You're putting your hope in, in, in material accumulation, you're going to be disappointed. Don't live a life of disappointment. You've got to drive that eye out. You've you got to walk with some authority. You've you got you to have some confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the very petition for which we desire. Well, how do I know it's according to his will? Well, because his will is encapsulated inside of his ways. And if I'm doing this thing God's way, then I know I'm going to have a collision with his will. And, and since I'm doing life God's ways, then I'm in his word. And if I got his word in me, then I know his ways for this thing. I've sought God. I've found the right way for us, the right way for our kids, the right way for our substance. So I know I'm in the way of God. If I'm in the way of God, I'm going to collide with the will of God. So this is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. Come on, get some confidence. Quit, quit letting the enemy rip you off of your freedom and your power because you're disappointed in somebody. Put all your trust in the master Jesus. You will live the life you're meant to and your whole house too. You don't get to have it both ways. Both ways, duplicity. You know where this really hurts us? You can't complain anymore. <laughs> you can't whine about stuff. Dang it. Now we can whine about not being able to whine. Next ite. Let's, let's go to the next ite, right? Because we've got to hurry it. Amorite. Amorite. 
Sounds like something you'd clean your car with. No, Amorite. It's, it's, it's an arrogant, boastful spirit that challenges everything. You know, we talked about a little bit last week, Romans 12, uh, verse 3, when he says, hey, here's the thing. Don't, don't, don't estimate yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Uh, well, wait a minute. You just told us we're supposed to have confidence. Yeah, not arrogance, confidence. Now, you have to understand that a lot of people mistake confidence they, they mistake it for arrogance, especially insecure people, because any time that they're insecure, anybody who's not insecure, they think something's wrong with them. It's like when the guys were in the boat waking up Jesus saying, don't you care that we're dying here? They're thinking, my God, this guy, he doesn't think about anybody but himself. He's down here sleeping. No, he's just got confidence. He has peace. It's funny to me that if you have peace, people act like you don't care. Doesn't it bother you? That No, it does not bother me. See, I never get really freaked out when the wind blows in Tri-Cities. Because it's like every day. You know, if the wind, do I like the wind? No, I can't stand the wind. I think that God should do something about the wind. I don't think it's windy here. I think it sucks someplace else, and it's sucking us that way. I don't like the wind, but I'm not going to be shocked by it. In this world, there's tribulation. But be of good cheer. If you're in Christ, you're a world overcomer. Well, how's it going right now? That's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the end. There's a way that seems right to me, but the end's all screwed up. So I'm going to focus on the end and let God direct the way. Hello, somebody. Come on. Get this in your spirit. Hey, I'm driving that thing out of my life. Don't think too highly of yourself. Verse 4 is really kind of cool because it says, you know, uh, in one physical body, we have many parts. And these parts don't have the same function or use. And verse 5 says, so it is in the body of Christ. So when he's saying don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, you know what he's actually saying? Don't think you don't need the body. He ain't even talking about arrogance the way you think of arrogance. He's talking about arrogance that says, you know what? I don't, I don't need to plug in. I don't need, I don't, you know what? It's nice to have a relationship with you, but my, my commitment is to Jesus. You know, the way that my family has done church life, well, who, who instituted the church. You or God? Oh, yeah, but God loves the whole world. Okay, God loves the world. Jesus died for the church. Two institutions ordained by God, marriage and the church. You're just saying that because you're the pastor. I'm saying that because I read the book. Man, don't think so highly of yourself that, that, that you don't need the people around you or that they don't need you you got to drive that eye out. Somebody say, I'm getting free. free. Let's go on to another one. They don't like that one either. The Perizzite. The Perizzite is known for carelessness and isolation. It's, it's, It's a false liberty that is willing to devalue purity. A false liberty that that is willing to devalue purity. Hey, Noe, can I have that bottle of water right there? Have you been drinking out of that? Oh, really? Dude, I needed that. Hey, Evan, take a drink. People are already going, ooh. Hey, TJ, wet your lips first. Come on. Come on. <laughs> What's, you should see the look on their faces. Stephen. Stephen's praying, skip me, skip me, skip me. Todd, Todd's got his head down. He never has his head down in church, <laughs> except for today. He, he's got his head down like, oh, crap, I'm not even in this place. I'm not even in this place. Not even in this place. I'll go this way. I'm going to cut you some slack, big wheel. Here you go. Just take a little drink. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. 
he, I think the surgery went pretty good, didn't it? It's like, and, 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 and you know, don't hold it away from your mouth. Do it right. You know, what I ought to do is, here, Nick. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Shelb, do you want a drink? Would you like a drink? Oh, so purity does matter. We act like purity doesn't matter. Here's your water back. <laughs> purity ain't no big deal. Really. Be holy, even as I am holy. You're giving yourself to all kinds of stuff, and I'm being nice. And then wondering, well, where's the presence of God in my life? That's an it that needs to be driven out of your life. Well, I, I, I'm, still, I'm saved and going to heaven. That's it. I don't even want to argue that point. How about you live a life cheerfully pleasing God? Not cheerfully pleasing you. Let's say that your eternal security is eternally secure. But what about the ability to demonstrate your heart to God? Not asking God to serve you, but you saying, no, I choose to serve you. I want to exalt you. I'm not asking you to exalt me. I, I, I want to lift up your name. I, I, I'm not just in this thing for what's good for me or fun for me or, you know, hey, I'm willing to use discipline. Discipline is the willingness to do something you don't like to get a result you will like. How about some spiritual discipline? That we would just live pure. How about the Hivite? we got to hurry. The Hivite. Carnal. Deceived. Romans 8, 6. I love this in the Amplified. Romans 8, 6 says, uh, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. The, the, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason. See, there's a lot of things that make sense to you. There's some great reasons. Yeah, but without any Holy Spirit, it's still the mind of the flesh. The mind of the flesh is death, but the, the mind of the Spirit, that's where the life's at. That's where the peace is at. That's why we got to allow the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. These are the mature sons of God that display the characteristics of their Father. It's the guys who are directed by the Spirit. So I can't just be all carnal. I got to drive that carnality out of my life. Well, how, how does the Spirit guide and direct? Well, in, in John 16, he said, when he comes, speaking of the Spirit, when he comes, he, he, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration. He will convict. See, if you don't have some convictions, if God isn't challenging you in some area of your life, could it possibly be that maybe it's not the stamp of God's approval on everything you're doing. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's the callousness of your heart that has just gotten to a point that you, you don't respond. You, you don't recognize conviction. Man, I'm telling you, I think, I think we ought to be convicted every stinking day. I think there ought to be something in your life that you, that you start out to do, that you've given God liberty, that you have such intimacy with God. I tell you what, man, uh, Shelby and I, 32 years, right? 32 years of marriage. And, 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 but there are, there, there's still things, there's still things that I start to do. I can look at her and go, I better not do that. You would think by now she'd have me trained. 
You'd think by now. No, no, no. The more intimate we get, the more we understand each other, the more willing we are. Hello, somebody. Maybe, uh, maybe what we ought to do is drive this ite out. Maybe what we ought to say is, you know what? I don't want to be deceived. You know, I, I want the Spirit to bring conviction in my life. How about the Jebusite? It's an overpowering bully. It's a spirit that perverts and, and, and changes things. Uh, and, and I'd rather change you than produce change in me. How, how, do, I, how do I deal with this thing that's just constantly manipulating my life. Well, James 4, 6, it simply says this. It says that when you submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. A lot of us resist God. Submit to the enemy, and wonder why he's still hanging. And then you go to church, and you start trying to resist the devil, but you've yet to submit to God. And so you don't have any power against the enemy. Where's the power to drive away the enemy? It's when you submit to God. Now, I just want to give you a little insight into submission, because submission doesn't start until you disagree. Up until there's a disagreement, you don't have submission, you have agreement. Well, I disagree with that. Get ready to submit. You know, I'm not asking you. I'm really not asking. I don't want to be responsible for your life. I'm so glad that he sent the Holy Spirit to convict you. Not my job. But I'm going to tell you something. There are times in my life when God has required something from me. I didn't think he should ask for. Forgive that person. They don't deserve it. Tell you what, I'll forgive them, but I'm never going to forget. That's not even duplicity. That's conflict. No, I know, I know what your word says, and I know what your, how your ways are. And I know that it's your will, but I choose my will over yours. But you don't know what they did to me. God does. And I don't know why you let someone who hurt you in the past rob you of your future too. One more scripture. It's in the book of Joshua. And it says, how long, how long are you going to wait? before taking possession of the remaining land God's given you. How long are you going to wait? How long, King James, how long will you slack? How long slack? How, how long? It's time to cut the slack. It's, ti- it's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to wait anymore. You know, how long are you slack to sink down, to relax, to become disheartened, to abandon, to refrain from, to be quiet? 
How long are you going to be quiet about the enemy hanging out in places he shouldn't be in your life? How long are you going to wait to go get what God's given you? Be disheartened by a defeated enemy. How long are you going to let greed rule your life? How long are you going to stay separated and isolated from the things of God, the ways of God, the purposes of God? How, how, how long are you going to live intimidated when God would love to do a work in you that would just intimidate hell itself? You know what? It's time for you and me to say, yeah, uh-uh, not at my house. Guess what? Devil, you're losing this one. It's for me and my house, we're serving God. Greed, not at my place. Fear, uh-uh. Disappointment, no, you just lost your ground. You're getting out and you're getting out today. Why? Because he came to equip me to fight and win. You know, the length, the length of your bondage is like a testimony of the level of your stubbornness. The length of your battle is like a testament of your obedient endurance. You know, if, if you're fighting, if you're in the fight, we're fighting with you. If you think you ain't got a fight, you've already lost. See, the reality is, is that there's something in our life, every single one of us, that God would love to lead us into a greater level of freedom so that we could demonstrate Satan's defeat. I really believe that God wants you to get out of bed every single day just to humiliate hell. That he wants to empower you to win. But to get that, to get that victory, you got to engage. I want to I pray for you today that you would go after your freedom, that you'd realize that this, this land, it's a, this, this land of freedom that God's called you to, placed you in, it's a good land, but it's large. Your freedom is bigger than you. The decisions that you make are going to impact everybody connected to you. But there's enough freedom to go around. Don't measure yourself by comparing yourself with others. Measure yourself by looking into the Word of God and saying, okay, God, what's the area? Where are we starting today? Where are we going to demonstrate Satan's defeat today? What area of my life am I going to show the enemy that I've got more freedom than he has control? That I, I'm going to demonstrate his defeat and I'm going to run him out of my life. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads? Father, today, I thank you that your people who have been called to freedom are being convicted by your spirit to rise up and to go possess all the freedom that you've given us. God, that we wouldn't leave any area of, of our life in bondage, that we wouldn't settle, that we wouldn't become complacent anywhere in our life, but that we would become wholehearted servants of God. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we're going to pray one more prayer together today. And we, we don't want to do anything to embarrass anybody, won't call you out, won't have you stand. But some of you, the very first step to your freedom is a total surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. It is to say, okay, God, I'm going to get real with you today so that you can get real with me. And if, if you're in this room today and you say, you know what, Tom, th this is the day I'm making this prayer my prayer. I don't care if you prayed it a hundred times or never heard of it before. If you're ready today to say today is the day that Jesus has taken over my life, I'm making this prayer my prayer. While no one's looking around, I just want you to hold your hand up real high so I can agree with you in prayer today. Lift your hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them down again. That's awesome. It's awesome. When everybody in this place, just pray this and pray it with boldness. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. 
Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you and for you alone. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give God one big hand. Thank him for that. That's awesome. It's awesome.